humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. Hello. It is August 17th of the year 2020, and you are listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on, on AM 950. I'm in my brand new time slot on Monday afternoons from 2 to 3. And guess what? This show will re air, it will repeat on Sunday coming up from 1 to 2. So, you know, you get. Two shots at me, not just one. So I'm pretty uh, thrilled to be back here with you. I'm thrilled to be talking with you to you about idealism and idealists, and that is what this show is about. It's about people who are working to change the world. And we've got a great show. Uh, the big uh, interview uh, you, is one where you will hear from a young idealist who I once worked with. She's now working with uh, survivors of domestic violence. I hired her way back when because of her idealism, and she's gone on to accomplish much. And in my C block, for those of you who have ever read my book, Getting to Ellen, I have a sad story, uh, one that has actually been breaking my heart for the last several days. But... Before we get to that sad stuff, let's begin with our featured idealist, someone whose name you have heard of late, but perhaps don't entirely know her story. I am speaking of Cori Bush, who two weeks ago defeated a 10-term, 20-year incumbent for Missouri's first congressional district, which encompasses most of St. Louis. Some of what follows is from Wikipedia, but some is also from a July 2018 Vice News piece by Marie Solis. Who is Cori Bush? First of all, here are the basics. She's African-American, 44 years old, the mother of two, and at one time, she and her former husband were homeless, living out of their car. They did that for four months while raising their two sons. She's also a nurse by training an education, and also an ordained pastor. She established the Kingdom Embassy International Church in St. Louis. But her start in politics and activism began in 2014, when she went to Ferguson, Missouri, which you may recall is close to St. Louis, after Michael Brown's killing. She went there, you may recall, that not unlike what's happened in the Twin Cities, is that there were there, was a, there were a lot of protests. There was some unrest in Ferguson, and she went there as a nurse to tend to wounded protesters. In the process, she was assaulted by a police officer, but she was not arrested. As idealists are often born out of transformational experiences, Ferguson was the catalyst for Cori Bush to think bigger. So that was 2014, and, not, and very quickly after that, Cori Bush decided that she was going to try something big. So she ran um, for the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate seat that was up in 2016. She ran in, in the primary against three other candidates, but lost to uh, what was then Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander. Um, he garnered 70% of the primary vote to Cori Bush's 13%. Okay, so first time out, she shoots big to go to be a senator. Uh, she doesn't do very well in the primary, although she gets 13% of the vote in the, in the Democratic primary. Okay, so that was her first shot. Then um, she shifted gears. And in 2018, Corey uh, tried to take on uh, what, who was then uh, the incumbent for Missouri's first congressional district, uh, a man named uh, Lacey Clay, she took, tried to, who's also African-American. In 2018, Corey tried to primary uh, Lacey Kay. 
um, but she failed. Uh, Lacey, uh, Lacey Clay got th- 57% of the primary vote to uh, Cory Bush's 37%. So second time, strikeout. Undaunted, uh, Cory Bush tried again. She got up to the plate, and she tried this time, this year, to again primary uh, Lacey Clay. And you've got to understand, Lacey Clay at the time was a 10-term, so we're talking 20-year incumbent um, in Congress from Missouri's first congressional district. But beyond that, uh, Lacey Clay's father had also been a congressman. And so together, the two Clays had held the seat for 32 years. This time around, as we know, uh, Corey Bush won. Uh, The biggest boost for her came when, in the summer of 2018, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez cinched her Democratic primary um, in the Bronx. As AOC gave her acceptance speech, she referenced a number of progressive candidates, including Cori Bush. Eventually, as the Missouri primary got closer this year, um, AOC ended up going to St. Louis to stump for Cori. But she's not the only one that did that. Bernie Sanders, the great progressive, he also stumped for Cori Bush this time around. And um, he uh, <laughs> almost single-handedly raised $100,000 for Cori Bush. Cori, in addition to that, she was featured along with other progressive candidates in a documentary uh, titled Knock Down the House. It's on Netflix. Maybe uh, you have seen it, Knock Down the House. So all of that worked. Two weeks ago, Corey won the primary by a very narrow margin against Lacey Clay. Um, her, she garnered 48.60% of the vote to Clay's 45.53%. But you know what? She did it. It was enough to win the primary. And of course, there are no fears for her losing the general as the seat has been Democratic Uh, since the early 1900s. Like other progressive candidates, Cori Bush has pushed for significant changes in the way our country operates. She is an advocate of significant uh, policing change, although, interestingly, she does not call for defunding the police, but certainly for, for, for very large transformative reforms of the police. She calls for abolishing ICE, the Immigration Customs and Customs Enforcement Agency. She wants Medicare for All, a $15 minimum wage, tuition-free state college and trade school, and canceling student debt. These are all things that our country, if November 3rd goes a particular way, all things that our country will have to seriously consider. Side note, that $15 minimum wage, you know what? In many ways, it's already happening. Target here in the Twin Cities is um, already hiring at $15 an hour. I happened to be up in Hinkley this weekend, went on a wonderful bike ride, and um, you know what? Uh, McDonald's, right on the front, right on the windows of the McDonald's, uh, they're advertising $12 an hour in Hinkley, uh, Minnesota. And so uh, we are not far from a a minimum wage of $15. And again, if the election goes the right way, 
you can be certain, I think, that we will be seeing that kind of minimum wage. Oh, by the way, the minimum wage hasn't changed. The federal minimum wage is $7.25. That hasn't changed since 2009. Just sorry, I need to give you that little side side trip. So Cori, Cori Bush, um, one other fact about her. Something to note, because uh, coming up on our show... Um, in a minute, is going to be my big interview uh, with Jillian Camille, who works with um, survivors of sexual and domestic assault. And it turns out that Cori Bush, our new candidate down in St. Louis, has been the victim of sexual assault um, on several occasions, including one sexual assault that occurred since she first attempted to run for Congress. And after going to court... Um, uh, against her predator in that assault. Apparently, the predator um, was acquitted or something happened. I, I, I couldn't get the details, but he, according to the details uh, that I have seen, is that the predator uh, still walks free. I'm not, again, not certain of the full story, but it is important to note that Corey Bush really does know what it means to be a survivor. And it is this thing about world life experience, about understanding how the world operates for the vast majority of people. She describes herself as an ordinary person running for Congress, trying to uphold the needs of other ordinary people. This is the way idealists operate. And think about it. She was a nurse, which is obviously a very wonderful profession. But in the span of six years, she went from tendering, tendering to tending to injured protesters at Ferguson to soon walk in the halls of Congress. <laughs> Think about that. Big stuff. That's what idealists do. Okay. That's it for our first block on uh, talking about Cory Corey Bush. Check her out. Check her out. Read up on her because you're going to be hearing more from her. Thanks. When we come back, uh, we'll do the big interview with Jillian Camille. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter at Ellie Krug on the Twitter handle. We'll be back in a sec. Thanks. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Did you know there's deconstruction funding available now for homeowners and contractors in Hennepin County? If you are embarking on a remodel or teardown this year, consider hiring Better Futures Minnesota's deconstruction crews instead of demolition. By taking a house or building apart by hand instead of destroying it with heavy equipment, the materials can be reused or recycled instead of going into the landfill. It is much more cost-effective and is a carbon-neutral solution. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Business Services to learn more. My soul gets it right With any human being ever reach that kind of light I call on the resting soul of Galileo 
back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. And um, so check out uh, Corey Bush, somebody to follow, somebody whose name you will know even better than what you did um, before I did a little piece about her um, because uh, she will be around for a bit. All right, so we're going to move from one idealist who just um, uh, got uh, at least won the Democratic primary and we probably will get be in Congress to another new idealist for the big interview. I have on the line with me um, a woman named Jillian Camille. Last name is spelled C-H-M-I-E-L. Jillian, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Ellie. Hey, Jillian. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Okay, I'm thrilled to have you here. I have wanted to have you on this show for a very, very long time. Wow. <laughs> so, so listen. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Well, you're welcome. So, listeners, very quickly, you know, in the past, I have talked about a number of women in my life, younger women, who I consider to be third daughters because I have two two daughters, um, you know, through my marriage and all that. But I've adopted a number of women over time. And one of those women is Jillian here that we're having. So Jillian, you are special to me. You know that. And and I know I'm a little special to you. So, <laughs> all right. Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Jillian, I've wanted to have you on the show, um, apart from the fact that you're dear to me, because you are an idealist. And I think that we need to kind of lay the landscape for the audience. You and I go back, um, at this point, uh, we go back uh, to 2011, when I opened, uh, when I was um, hired to start a nonprofit in Minneapolis, and you were my very first admin, right? That's right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how that came about because you grew up here in Minnesota. You're a White Bear Lake um, human, right? <laughs> so I actually grew up in Central Wisconsin. Oh, jeez, uh, I my- had that wrong. Okay, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Um, but my parents are White Bear Lake people, so that piece you've got—that's—that's that's right. Okay. And so, I consider myself a Minnesotan by now. Okay. All right. You—you you did go to the U, right, for your undergrad? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then you ended up going to D.C., and that's where I want to pick this story up because you went to Washington D.C. Why? And what were you doing there? Because that was very idealistic, and that's why actually you and I ever ended up working together. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I moved to D.C. to work with a human rights law nonprofit that represented survivors of human trafficking, forced marriage, and torture in civil court. Um, By the time we began working with our clients, the people who had perpetrated acts of violence had often already been convicted in criminal court. And so we worked alongside survivors to try to secure restitution for the crimes that they had survived. Um, And then at that same time, I was also working for another nonprofit uh, that was working to end non-consensual, well, amid amid other work, was working to end non-consensual medical research on vulnerable populations in Africa and in the United States. Okay. So you get out of the U, you go to to D.C., and you work for not one, but two nonprofits, right? That's right. That's right. I was fortunate enough to be hired by two nonprofits in the same building. And so I worked for both nonprofits from one desk, from one chair that I spent a lot of time in, spent a lot of time in long days. All right. And then uh, you and I got together because I I got hired to start a legal access nonprofit 
named Call for Justice, which unfortunately no longer in existence. But and you helped me start that, and I hired you to, and you came back to Minnesota because you wanted to return, and you and I started out creating this nonprofit from the ground. Remember? That's right. That's right. I remember when I flew home for the interview um, over a holiday break, you conducted the interview with your computer uh, perched on top of an overturned computer box. <laughs> it, was, it was that new, still getting unpacked. That's right. That's all. I mean, we, we had a chair, I, I, folding. <laughs> I think we had two folding chairs in the room, but two that was it. Chairs. So, and Jillian, you, um, just, uh, so the audience really appreciates our relationship. I made you the offer. I offered to hire you at the end of that interview and you didn't even believe that I was doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My, my dad used to say that DC really brushed the chrome off me. And so the fact that I was being offered a job that I really wanted on the spot was it floored me. It floored me. I had no idea that that would be possible. Well, all right. So now, um, and you and I were together for a couple of years, but you, there is the, the reason other than you're dear to me to have you on this show is that there's something about you, Jillian, that has caused you to want to engage with the world. Okay, because you 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 left my nonprofit um, after about two years and it broke my heart. But then you went and you went and explored the world. Talk to us, will you? What is it about you engaging with the world and what did you go do? And and what are you you know, bring us up to date to what you're doing right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I have, I think, uh, alongside many others, uh, a terrific case of wanderlust. Um, And so, uh, well, one of the reasons that I eventually decided to leave Call for Justice, and you may remember this, that when I joined Call for Justice, I hoped very much to one day become an attorney. Yeah. And as you and I were working together, it became rapidly clear that there was a glut of new attorneys in the United States, that uh, suddenly there were far more recent law school graduates than positions available. Um, And I remember reading at that time, this was probably 2012, uh, about a law firm in Boston that had posted a position for a full-time staff attorney, and the salary was $10,000 a year. And the legal community was kind of up in arms, like, how can you offer $10,000 a year when this new attorney will be working 60, 70, 80-hour weeks? And they responded and said, someone will take this job. At this point, the market for new attorneys is so tough that someone will take it because it will help them get a foot in the door. Um, And so I was realizing that with all of that information, um, in addition to a couple of things I was recognizing about myself, that maybe... Maybe going to law school or at least going to law school on the timeline that I I had originally envisioned was not going to work. And so I remember I consulted with you on this. And this was so, uh, I think, just so speaks to your integrity that even though (laughs) you were my boss and you knew that this would mean me leaving Call for Justice, you really encouraged me to go out and, um, and explore and um, if the life path that I had originally envisioned was not going to be the one that I remained on, we'll have to go and figure it out. And so um, 
I moved to Korea and taught English there for about a year and a half and then spent some time um, traveling through other parts of Asia and through Central and South America. Um, And while I was traveling, I spent a lot of time um, and really tried to make a concerted effort of figuring out what I wanted to do. and so I thought a lot about the work that I had done so far and what part, what parts of it really suited me and like satiated me and fired me up and um, how I could work to um, continue to manifest that stuff in my life or integrate that stuff without necessarily pursuing law school. Um, And so while I was abroad, I made the decision to apply to grad school for social work. Um, And so I returned to Minnesota and uh, went to the University of Minnesota again And uh, received my master's in social work, and since that time have been a practicing mental health therapist here in the Twin Cities. Okay. And Jay, we're going to need to take a break here, okay? Um, And when we come back, we'll pick up uh, more of the story and what you're doing right now as an idealist, okay? All right. That sounds great. Thank okay. You. All right. Listeners, we're speaking to Jillian Camille, um, who is presently um, a therapist here in the Twin Cities. We'll get to that, um, but who's also incre- incredibly dear to me. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Um, you know, email me at elliejkrug at gmail. I love hearing from you. And we'll be back in a second and pick back up with Jillian Camille. Thanks. Hi. Alex of Better Futures Minnesota. Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, go to betterfuturesminnesota.com under business services. Hello, this is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. Many listeners know that I train on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming to diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on equity and dismantling racism. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change how they see the world. And now I'm doing all of my work online so everyone can attend regardless of where you're located. For more information, go to elliekrug.com. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. We're back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Okay. Listeners, before we took our break, we had started the big interview with Jillian Camille, who I still have on the line. Jillian, so just to recap, you know, you um, graduated from the U of M. You went to Washington, D.C. to go work with nonprofits. You came back uh, with uh, involving humans who were, who were the survivors of horrific kinds of of things, of crimes and atrocities and medical experiments that they did not want. You come back to the Twin Cities, you get involved with helping me start a nonprofit. You leave, then you go travel uh, over to Korea where, and a little bit of other traveling in the world where you get to experience other cultures and try and teach English to uh, Korean kids. And then you come back, you go to graduate school 
um, as social work and you become a therapist. That's what you're doing right now. And Jillian, now you're working again with survivors. Is that right? Survivors of domestic violence. That's right. That's right. So tell us about that work. Yeah. Uh, so um, one thing that has become increasingly clear to me over the years is um, how important it is that every person de- deserves to live a life free of violence and the threat of violence, whether it's violence on a systemic scale or violence between intimate partners. Um, and so an area of focus in my work has been uh, working with people affected by domestic violence. Um, and fortunately, over the course of the past 30, 40 years, uh, more and more people are speaking about the, uh, the urgency of intimate partner violence. On average, 24 people per minute in the United States are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner. Uh, in the, wow. I think I already said in the United States. And so, right. wow. um, so over the course of a year, that's more than 12 million people. Um, so right now I am practicing with two different organizations. One organization, uh, with whom I work is called Sojourner Project. And Sojourner Project is an organization based in the West Metro, uh, that serves, again, people affected by domestic violence. All Sojourner Project programs and services are free and confidential. Um, services include a 24-hour crisis line, an emergency shelter, legal advocacy, therapy, support groups, community presentations, prevention education, community education, and more. Okay. And you're and uh, first of all, Jay, will you give uh, the audience the name of uh, – can you spell the name so everybody understands it? Yeah, certainly. So uh, Sojourner Project is spelled S-O-J-O-U-R. N-E-R, and then Project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T. Okay, and then where um, they can find that at what website? Uh, that is sojournerproject.org. Okay. And there is a, a 24-hour crisis line at 952-933-7422. Uh, again, that's 952-933-7422. And anyone who is looking for information or assistance or has any concerns about themselves or maybe a neighbor or a friend or a family member, they are welcome to call that 24-hour crisis line. Okay, great. And, and just so we can button it up, you're also, so you're, you're, you're working as the clinical director for Sojourner, is that right? Do, and for therapy? Uh, so I'm actually, um, I am the mental health therapist that works with Sojourner Project clients. Well, I always um, wanted to elevate you anyway, Chase. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I remember, I remember like eight years ago how, how you fought for me to get a title change. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Okay. You've long been an advocate for me. <laughs> okay. And then in addition to that, you also are, you have private practice as well. You're working with a private practice doing therapy, um, largely with people who are survivors as well. Can you tell us where that is? That's right. So uh, I also practice with a group practice here in the Twin Cities named Lynn Lake Psychotherapy and Wellness. Um, Lynn Lake is a very community community oriented practice and a core part of the 
part, part of its mission is toward equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, and there are several Lynn Lake psychotherapy and wellness locations throughout the Twin Cities. And if you'd like to learn more, uh, their website is therapy-mn.com. Again, that's therapy-mn.com. And their phone number is 612-979-2276. Great. Okay, so so Jillian, I want to, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I want the audience to understand that our relationship, as we're both idealists, and I'm going to delve into yours a little bit more, has been uh, a mutual relationship. We have taught each other things. So, for example, I remember early on when you and I started working together at Call for Justice, I used to call people who had been, you know, um, uh, the, the victims of, uh, of violence, of domestic partner violence. I used to call them victims. And I remember vividly you saying to me, that's not a good phrase. And instead that I should be using the phrase survivorship. And I have, oh, ever since then, ever since you told me that, that is the only phrase that I use. Why is that phrase important, Jillian? Yeah, well, um, so it's really interesting that you bring this up um, because there's been some really important conversations about this in recent years, um, the the importance of language and how we talk about people and how we talk about uh, what they are experiencing. And so often the term victim is used widely within the criminal justice system. Um, and so with your being an attorney, super understandable that victim was the, the word that you were most familiar with. Um, and some people, uh, some people who have experienced domestic violence, their preference is victim, whereas other people prefer to be referred to either as their name or as a person who has experienced domestic violence or as a survivor. Um, and I think a lot of people who prefer the language survivor feel that uh, that takes the focus off of the act that or the acts that were perpetrated by another person and puts the focus and the energy and the power back on the person who is uh, who is showing up and trying to do the work and trying to heal from the violence that they've that they've survived. Okay. Well, and 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 I, it just it was such a learning moment for me. Now, to for you to teach me that and. And so, Jillian, here you are, okay? You're, you're in your early 30s. You're a brilliant woman. Um, you are. You are. And, and you've got a work ethic that's unbelievable. And you could, had you wanted to, I have no doubt, you could have chosen a different career and succeeded and be making six figures easily right now where you are in your life. But you chose not to do that. I mean... You, I mean, you started working with a nonprofit Tubman right out of um, right out of getting out of your master's program, serving people mainly with low income backgrounds. You're now working again with a nonprofit, um, doing working with people who are from a variety of backgrounds. But this is work, you know. I mean, obviously you're making a living, but you could be doing so much more um, in terms of making money or creating uh, cadence in your life. Why is it, why is this what you're doing? 
Good question. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, we all we all have so many different pieces of our identities, and um, a large piece of my identity has always been the work that I do, whether it's in formal employment or whether it's on a volunteer basis. Um, and uh, I am constantly inspired by the people that I work alongside. Um, the work. Is heavy as you've identified, yep. and uh, there there's also something so powerful about sitting across from a person who may have experienced tremendously difficult, tremendously unjust things, and then they'll laugh or light up when they talk about their kid or talk about how excited they are to get together with friends on the weekend. And it's, uh, I, am constantly reminded of how dynamic all of us are. We are complicated people living complicated lives in a really complex world. (laughs) So, so really being able to get to know people, getting to know people in addition to their stories. Um, Oh, that is worth its weight in gold. Well, and so that leads us to this question. Why are you an idealist? Because you are. How did you get here? I, um, you, you had let me know ahead of time that this was going to be one of the questions that you were going to ask. And so I, I spent the weekend thinking about it. Um, and I think going back to what I mentioned earlier, I, I really have, um, for as long as I can remember, held tightly the belief that every person deserves to live a life free of violence. They deserve safe homes. They deserve to be, Mm. um, they deserve to uh, live lives, live lives free of violence and the threat of violence. Um, And so I think when I, when I gravitated toward mental health and toward therapy in particular, um, I, I, I found this, oh, this would have been years ago now, but, um, I was reading this quote by Lao Tzu, who's credited as being the father of Taoism. And it's really served me well in recent years. And it's, if there's to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there's to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there's to be peace in the cities, there must be tweet be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And I, um, in this work, believe that every one of us uh, has a responsibility to ourselves and to others to try to nurture that inner peace so that it can ripple outward. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I, and I believe we all have that capacity. Well, Jillian, I've I just got to tell you, you know, I, I know that we had talked a long time about whether you to go to law school or not, and I was, I was not advocating for you to do that. Um, I just want you to know, Jay, you're touching far more lives right now doing the work that you're doing than, if, than you ever could um, being a lawyer. I'm just telling you that, okay? And... Just know that I am so proud of you for what you've become. Thank you, Eve. You have been a staunch advocate for me since I have known you. So (laughs) 
So thank you for that. You have written me uh, many a letters of reference over the years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that and your support in a thousand other ways. Well, it's easy to do. All right. Well, we need to go, Jillian. So um, thank you so very much for being on my radio show. I have wanted to have you on here for a long time. And so just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Eve. And I'll always be looking out for you. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Listeners, all right. So we've been speaking to Jillian Camille, who um, is a therapist with the Sojourner Program (laughs) Project in Western, in the Western Burbs, as well as a private therapist with Lynn Lake uh, Therapy. Um, Please check her out. Its uh, last name is C-H-M-I-E-L, Jillian Camille. All right. When we come back, I'll do my C block where I talk about uh, something that happened um, to me and affected me pretty greatly. Um, And so there you go. That's what the show's all about. I'm tugging at you all the way, all the time. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more, saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to betterfuturesminnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Jillian Camille. Yep, like one of my third daughters, that is for sure. And I'm sorry I got a little emotional on that, um, everyone. And um, But that's what you get with my show. You get heart, okay? You get emotion. You get real. And so hopefully that's okay. <clears throat> of course, you can always just turn the dial. But we'd hope... Um, Really, that not only do you want to stay, but that you want to invite others to hear this show. Because it is different. All right. We're in my C block now where I talk about my work as an idealist and sometimes about the things that affect me as a human. And this is going to be one of those me affected as a human C blocks. Some background first. Um, As some of you know, and as I related in the last show, I'm not a native Minnesotan. No, I hail from Iowa, and truly, in my heart, I will always be an Iowan. I grew up in Cedar Rapids, went away to law school, I married my high school sweetheart, um, and then we together returned to Cedar Rapids, where I eventually created a law firm. When we moved back, we bought a dump of a house in the best neighborhood. I called it an ugly duckling among swans. We poured a lot of time, effort, and money into that house. Um, 
added on to it twice. We'd redid the kitchen, and eventually we turned an ugly duckling into a swan. The house had a very long driveway and a very large front yard. Often, when my daughters were little, they were uh, they would draw on the driveway in chalk. You know those big sticks of chalk that come in a pail. I am certain that many of you know what I am talking about. Many times I joined them as we chalked the the driveway together. You know, we would draw rainbows or sayings or pictures of animals. um, And I have some really great memories. Sometimes my daughters would draw or write uh, messages on that driveway um, that I'd see when I came home after a long day of work. Um, And sometimes those messages were, love you, daddy, or... Um, welcome home, Dad. Remember, I'm transgender. That's why you're hearing a man's voice, but my name is Ellie. My wife, ex-wife at the time, um, ex-wife still, picked up on how much those messages meant to me. So for Christmas one year, she had a local artist put together an acrylic drawing of my daughter's drawing, Welcome Home, Daddy, in chalk. The drawing has the view of looking down above my daughters as they are bent over with chalk sticks in their hands. You can't, all you can see is the back of their heads and you can see what they've started to write um, on the driveway in chalk. The acrylic drawing is on the cover of my memoir, um, Getting to Ellen. All you have to do is just Google the book title, Getting to Ellen, and it will come up on Amazon and you will see exactly what I am talking about. Now, Here's why I told you all of that. At the place on the driveway where this artist created this picture, where my girls would draw very often, at that place on the driveway, in the yard right next to it, was a very, very large and stately shag bark hickory tree. I don't know if you're familiar with shag bark hickories, but they are, they are beautiful trees. And the bark actually shags it. It kind, of, it kind of curls up at the end, all, all up the whole tree. It is a beautiful tree. And in the artist's drawing on the cover of my book, you actually, you don't see the tree, but you know there is a tree there next to them, my daughters as they're drawing in the chalk because you're seeing sunlight, drops of sunlight popping onto the pavement, onto the driveway as my daughters are doing the chalk. And it's beautiful dapples of sunlight, actually, and I call it dappled sunlight. I actually write about this tree. I write about the dappled sunlight in my book. And if you've ever gotten a book from me where I've, you know, been able to sign it for you, I always put the inscription in in the book, quote, always cherish the dappled sunlight, unquote. There's some symbolism with that meaning. You'll have to read the book to understand it. Needless to say... That shagbark hickory important to me. And I know that this has been a very long explanation. You're asking yourselves, why do I care about this tree? What does it matter? Well, here's why I am telling you. A week ago today, at just about this very time, a freak wind and rainstorm called a Dureco slammed across Iowa, and it hit my old hometown of Cedar Rapids particularly hard. Wind gusts and rower, category two inland hurricane. More than 1,100 homes in Cedar Rapids were destroyed. 
And by some estimates, Cedar Rapids, a city of 130,000 filled with beautiful old growth trees, by some accounts, Cedar Rapids lost half of its trees in that storm, the Dureco. And as I'm doing this, as you're hearing this, um, there are still close to 100,000 people in Cedar Rapids without power. They've been out without power for a week. So that happened last Monday. On Thursday, an old next-door neighbor sent photos of the damage to the neighborhood. That neighbor lost nine trees on her property. But one of the photos she sent was of my old house, which was intact. And I'm happy for the current occupants. But the photos also showed that the shag bark hickory that I've been speaking about, the dappled sunlight tree, was broken in half. The grand tree had to have been 70 to 80 feet tall and was snapped in half. The tree had died. And I, I have to tell you that when I saw that, a part of me died. And I have been in mourning over that tree ever since. There's no doubt I am a very deep sentimentalist who hangs on to things too tightly. Um, try doing that, being sentimental and being a transgender person. And I know that life isn't always static and that things are always changing, but still. And this one will hurt for a while. And please, do me a favor. Pay attention to the difficulties the folks are having in Iowa and particularly in Cedar Rapids. Send them good vibes. And if you have one extra vibe, will you send it to me, please? I could use it right now as I mourn the dappled sunlight trees passing. Okay, that's our show. I need to be a, uh, give a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, you always rock. Big thanks to my sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. Um, and a big thanks to you, my listeners. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're liking this new time slot. If you're new to the show or if you like the new time slot, email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I love hearing from my audience members. And as you go forward this week, do me one favor also. Do something good. Try and make the world better. Thanks. Talk to you next week. Bye.